Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, where my guest is Rachel Altvader. She is a licensed psychologist in Maryland, Washington, D.C., and Virginia. She is a registered play therapist supervisor and a certified clinical trauma professional. She is the owner of Creative Psychological Health Services, a psychologist at Gill Institute for Trauma Recovery and Education, an affiliate faculty member at Loyola University in Maryland, the president-elect of the Maryland DC Association for Play Therapy, and the continuing education director of Starbright Training Institute. Dr. Altvader published two articles in the International Journal of Play Therapy on her research of technology use in play therapy and is a contributing author in Integrating Expressive Arts into Counseling Practice, Theory-Based Interventions, and Integrating Technology in Modern Therapies, a Clinician's Guide to Developments and Interventions. She is the recipient of the 2019 Emerging Leader Service Award from the Association for Play Therapy, the 2018 Outstanding Play Therapy Research Award from the Maryland, D.C. Association for Play Therapy, and the 2018 Distinguished Alumna of the Year from the Chicago School of Professional Psychology, Washington, D.C. campus. And today, Rachel and I are going to be talking about stress and adolescence and the impact it has on parents, on the kids, on their relationships, but also just on their mental health. I recently had a friend, my friend Nicole, who has suggested other awesome topics for the podcast. She asked, could we talk about this? Like our area in particular, um, where my kids went to school, there's a lot of pressure to take AP classes. There's a lot of pressure to be involved in sports and extracurricular activities and doing really well at all of those things. And I think it's having an impact. This area has a huge suicidal problem. Too many kids are taking their own lives while in high school and middle school, and something needs to change. Something needs to shift. And so we're going to talk to Rachel about the impact on the families, on the kids, and what parents can do to help. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us on the Woman Warriors podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Me too. I'm excited to have you. So uh, talk to us a little bit about your work and what has inspired you to do the work that you do. So I am a licensed psychologist in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. I travel a little all over the place, um, I all around the DMV area. Mm-hmm. And um, so I provide 
trauma-informed play therapy services for children um, and adolescents. Adolescents might want more of the expressive therapies or talk therapies, but um, I am more of an expressive therapy type of gal. Yeah. Um, So I provide services in Fairfax, Virginia um, at a a trauma-informed practice. I just opened my own practice earlier this year. It's Mm -hmm. called Creative Psychological Health Services. Nice. And um, so I right now see children and adolescents. Um, I also see families and adults. I don't have any yet, but um, but I'm hoping to expand. Nice. I am the president-elect of the Maryland DC Association for Play Therapy. If you can see a trend, I love play therapy. <laughs> I know, I can tell. Um, and yeah, I'd like to to volunteer and get involved and do anything that I can in the community to help individuals who are struggling. And um, yeah, that's a little, little nutshell about me. Cool. So as we were talking before we got started here that it, you know, in the, you know, Metro DC, Baltimore area, there's a lot of stress on adolescents as they're entering high school, but also as they're moving on to go to college and or whatever they're moving on to do, whether it's college or something else, but that the pressures feel like they're just increasing. And I just wonder what you're seeing in your practice. You know, I see a couple different things. Uh, one major thing in particular in the DC Baltimore metro area, there are a lot of high achieving students. And of course, this is across the globe, across the nation, um, just specifically what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of schools that are, I don't even know if they're called blue ribbon schools anymore, but you know, more high achieving schools. So there's a lot more pressure put on the teenagers to perform well, to get into good colleges. And then you have this time of, of their lives that they don't really know who they are fully. Yeah. Thinking from a developmental perspective, adolescents are in um, a psychosocial stage called identity versus role confusion. And mm-hmm. what that means is they're trying to figure out who they are, where they fit in, what they like, what they don't like. This is the time for experimentation of just who they are. And so they're in this time period of, I don't know who I am, and I have to make these very adult decisions to get into a good college, right. to get good grades, to get scholarships. And it's also very competitive because more individuals are entering colleges, you know, in this decade than they were in previous decades. So it's just a lot of external pressure. And that sometimes translates to a lot of internal pressure. And it just becomes a very messy experience for so many teenagers. And then to just kind of throw in social media pressures and just all these extra layers that we might not necessarily see and understand this is what the kids are really struggling with right now. And it just creates a lot of stress and anxiety and, um, and concern. Yeah. And so do you see it impacting the relationships and dynamics within families? I would imagine you have some input from the parents and with your kids. Absolutely. Yeah, I I want to collaborate with all the parents that I work with um, as much or as little as they would like. Um, And same as as much or as little as the the teenagers that I work with would Mm -hmm. like. But absolutely, I think home is a place where it's seen the most the the stress and the the high anxiety. Yeah, because for a lot of children, 
home is their safe place. So they're going to come home and they're going to be able to truly feel their feelings or show their feelings. I always tell parents that they're their safe people. Generally speaking, I know different families have different circumstances, Yeah, but the hope is that the caregiver is their safe person. And so the safe person is the one who kind of gets the short end of the stick, unfortunately, Yeah, (laughs) because the, the, kids teenagers know no matter what happens i have this unconditional love hopefully um and they're able to really truly be yeah and so that's one component of it and then the other component is the family has their own stressors going on Mm. and might not fully understand all of the layers of what's happening with their teenage child and it kind of just creates a lot of messy communication, misunderstanding, anger, um, mm. and other really intense emotions at home. Yeah. So absolutely. I, that is definitely very prevalent. Yeah, yeah. I can remember, well, t- two things. Like one as a preschool teacher and the parents saying, they're never this good at home. And, <laughs> yeah. But also as a mom being like, why do I get all the shit? You know, <laughs> yes. yes. how can they be so great out in the world and then come home and be this horrible child? And oh, not, not really horrible, but you know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I understand. And it's, it's so funny because it's the same thing in the office. You know, they'll come in and, you know, be on their best behavior, especially when I'm first meeting with a, a child or an adolescent and, mm. um, and the parents say, but this, this is not what's happening at home. And I'm right. Like I understand, you know, or the reverse where, where a parent will come in during our first appointment and they'll talk to me about what's going on. And they'll say, <laughs> they'll say, uh, you know, all these things that are going on that are really horrible. And they're like, I promise my child is really amazing. And I can see past all of the, the stress and the struggle. And I know that every human being has a beautiful component to themselves. And, you know, I never look at a child before I see them as, oh, they're out of control or whatever, you know, whatever. I I very much see the person for the person. And there's something I heard once that I love. It's not what is wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Mm. And if we're able to view things that way and see that there are so many things that our children and adolescents nowadays are going through and we're able to sit and understand that, I think it takes away some of that. What's wrong with you? Or why are you acting that way? We, it, it kind of dis disconnects the experience it had and we're able to look at the experience not the person but right. yeah it's it, it is it's it's you know it's interesting how in different contexts kids and teens act different ways but it's all about where they feel safe where they feel secure where they feel heard where they feel understood mm-hmm. and that's going to have a huge impact on how they interact yeah yeah and so if there's stress you know internal and external pressure at school than if there's more uh, stress, if there's stuff going on at home and family, like that, I would imagine, can just double the impact of the pressure and stress on the kid, too, if there's... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because then there isn't a safe space at home to be just yourself or just... Yes. Well, I read... um, doing a little research before talking to you and there was um, some statistics on so just to preface this in my area there has been uh, an uptick in a surge in teen and uh, middle school and high school suicides and 
you know, it's being talked about more in the papers, which is good. I think parents, there's more awareness around it, but it's still scary. And it's a, I think it terrifies parents. I think it scares the heck out of the kids too. But I just found this uh, thing from the Washington Post. It said, according to the recent Youth Risk Behavior Survey, survey, approximately one in six high schoolers in the district reported having attempted suicide in 2017. And then a closer look at the district's racial and ethnic minority and sexual minority use reveals that even more startling statistics of black and Latino high schoolers in the district reporting attempted suicide rates three times that of white students, and then nearly a third of lesbian, gay, or bisexual high schoolers attempting suicide compared with one in eight of heterosexual high schoolers, which is just... I don't know. One in six alone, that by itself is frightening to me. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's awful. Yeah. And so I know there's a lot of worry that if we talk about suicide, it's going to make it happen more often, that we're going to create the thought for that child. Like if you are asking, are you suicidal? Is everything okay? That you're going to give them the idea. So talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, the thing I keep thinking as you as you started talking about the statistics is people just want to feel accepted, they want to feel included, they want to feel understood. And the more that someone is dealing with a lack of that mm-hmm. in conjunction with feeling like they stand out even more because of their race, because of their ethnicity, because of their sexuality, or maybe they are experiencing discrimination it just intensifies that. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to say that. But to answer your question, talking about something normalizes it. And and it doesn't, I don't mean normalizing it as in everyone's doing it. Let's all do it. No, I mean, everyone feels these feelings that you're feeling. You're not alone. Right. And I think that component is so imperative when there is a child who feels so alone, they feel like they're the only one. They right. don't necessarily know those statistics that you just shared. They may, but I, I doubt that a lot do. Sure. Um, so then they're, they're going through life feeling so hopeless, helpless, misunderstood, and don't know what to do. Right. But by having someone who they can trust to speak with them, to say, your feelings are valid, your feelings are normal, and we can get through this together is so, so healing and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I work a lot with uh, children who have been sexually abused, and I have a lot of conversations with parents who think that if you talk about sex, that that's going to make kids want to have sex. And mm-hmm. actually, it's the complete opposite. By having children and adolescents be well informed, they're better to make more well-informed choices. Right. If they're going through wor- the world and through their life with without the awareness of what's going on or what to expect, mm-hmm. then they're kind of set up to make choices that are not the best choices because they don't know. Yeah, they don't have the information from a trusted source or from right a reputable place that's just they're going by whatever is happening for them. Absolutely. You know, and and this is actually very, very timely because um, I don't know if you've seen that there's the 13 reasons why. um, Yeah. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So so for those of you who are listening who aren't quite sure, 13 Reasons Why is a TV show um, on Netflix. It has two seasons and it's about a girl who uh, who died by suicide 
and uh, there are a bunch of tapes that are released, and it's about all of her friends, and they, um, it, it kind of explains the reasons why that she thought that dying by suicide was the choice mm. for her. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe the intention for the series is to shed light on the on struggle, this, mm-hmm. right? To go back to what I was saying, that sense of, of normalcy, that you're not alone. This is something that people deal with. But recently, just in the past like day, couple days, I've been seeing a lot of articles that I really haven't uh, delved into yet, but um, that says 13 reasons why um, has spiked suicide rates um, I'm not really sure what, where mm. the, where they're getting their information, but it's definitely um, spreading like wildfire on social media. I'm seeing, so uh, I do want to look into that a little bit more. But yeah, um, but I think you know, even after with the second season, they after each episode, like they they were able to decompress mm. um, with with the people who were watching, and okay. there was always a link or information of how to get help, okay. which I thought was, was great. So, yeah. Uh, so I can see this making people think even more that we talk about it. It happens even more, but I, I really genuinely do not believe that is the case. I think that the case is we need to talk more about what is going on and how people are feeling. Yeah. So they don't have to feel so alone. Well, and I think the one thing I only watched one episode of the first season of the 13 reasons why, so I can't speak for the whole series, but I think the thing that bothered me about it is that it almost glamorized this young woman who had taken her own, who had chosen to end her life intentionally. And um, that bothered me and I didn't watch more of it, so it may have shifted. But I think what happens when we, maybe when we don't talk about it with the kids is there is this sense that, okay, look at all this attention and love and Mm -hmm. acceptance that this person got because they did choose to take their life in an intentional way. So maybe that will happen for me too. And that to me is like, so just, just heartbreaking that, that the choice to end your life would feel better than to be in it. And that if we're not talking about that, if we're not talking about what's going on? Why are you in this place? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it could lead to decisions based on not a lot of information, I guess. Yes, I agree completely. And I think going back to having conversations with your children, that let's say your child did watch 13 Reasons Why to process that with them. What was that like to watch for you? Yeah. You know, and what are your thoughts and how are you feeling? Mm. Because it's, it's that additional conversation. I think that's necessary. You're right that if something is glamorized or if, if someone dies by suicide in a school, in a high school setting, and then the, um, you know, someone who is feeling suicidal sees all these visuals and all this attention and love, which is, which is great for the, I mean, unfortunately that happened. It's great that they're showing their love yes, to the person, but then course. you're right. It kind of could potentially glamorize it in someone's head. Well, I don't get any attention and I want attention. So I can absolutely see exactly what you're saying and what some of the fear is. And this is why conversations are so important. Yeah. Uh, being, yeah. I think just having a little bit of, of extra education and, um, and even getting children into therapy to be able to process their struggles. Right. And so that, that, and that the struggles are happening now, but that, things can change like this. It doesn't necessarily mean things will be terrible six months, a year or two years down the road. 
Absolutely. And I think as a teenager, as a child, it feels like adulthood is so far away. Yeah. I mean, time goes by so slowly when you're younger mm. and goes by very quickly as you're older. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like as you're younger, it's, it's a little bit harder to bounce back from things and you don't have as much information to, in that moment, I should say. Yeah. You don't have as much information to know that it will get better. But as you get older and you have certain, you know, you go through certain circumstances and situations, then you realize, oh, okay, mm -hmm. I can get through this. I mean, kids and adolescents are so resilient. They yeah. really can bounce back. It's just yeah. in the moment, they don't feel like they can. So right. having supports and, and realizing they're not alone is so imperative for yeah. their growth and success. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple of social media um, groups that I follow um, on Instagram for LGBTQ youth. Mm -hmm. And so many of the messages, I guess, because the suicide rate is so high for minorities of any kind that, you know, that a lot of the messages are from, you know, maybe celebrities or whatever saying like, things will change. It sucks right now, you know, maybe high school is terrible, or middle school, but it will change. It's not going to be it's not hopeless. And I think yeah. that's that same idea that like this feels permanent, but it doesn't have to be. And it doesn't exactly will be. Yeah. Yeah. And so how, how does therapy help? How can therapy help, you know, adolescents, kids, families with this additional stress and pressure and possibly suicidal thoughts? Yeah, so therapy, generally speaking, is about an hour a week. It varies depending on a variety of factors. But generally speaking, it's about an hour a week of undivided attention mm -hmm. for this child or adolescent to be able to express whatever it is that they're going through and whatever medium is is comfortable for them. So whether that's talk, play, using art or drama or dance or music or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, and the child or adolescent hopefully will feel comfortable and safe that that would be one of those additional safe secure spaces that I was talking about earlier where they can be who they are unconditionally and can work through their struggles however they are expressing it mm -hmm. so um you know I think a huge thing that's so important for every single person in this world is validation um, oh yeah to tell people and to genuinely mean like your feelings are so valid and you feel this way for a reason. Mm -hmm. I can see just the weight lifting off people's shoulders when they realize that what they have to say is being heard yeah. and valued mm -hmm. and understood. Yeah. And I think that that is a huge piece of the therapy relationship and, and that the therapy relationship itself, it's so important when you are searching for a therapist to find someone that's a good fit. Mm. For not sure. everyone, you're not going to get along with every human being in this world, right? Right. <laughs> you're not, we're not going to get along with every therapist. Yeah. So it's important to make sure that if you go to someone and you're not feeling good fit, don't, don't give up. Continue to try to find someone. I always say it's like we're shopping for a pair of shoes. It's important <laughs> that you find the right fit. There are three main types of shoes. There are the comfortable shoes. They're, they're your favorite shoes. You wear them all the time. You might go to therapy, feel super comfortable right away, and it's great. There are a lot of times therapy is like the dressy shoes where, you know, they're, they hurt when you put your feet in them and, then, <laughs> and, and then they, they, they wear out a little bit and then they're more comfortable and you can wear it. Like that's usually what therapy is like. Sometimes it still might be a little uncomfortable because you're talking about hard things. Yep. yep. Sometimes there are those pair of shoes that are just not cute. You are not going to take them off the shelf in the store. You don't even want to try them on. 
Right. Sometimes therapy is like that. It's okay. But yes, absolutely. Find someone that's a good fit and, and that you feel like you can genuinely speak with about your struggles when you're able to, because when you're first starting to meet someone, they're a stranger. And while you know that they're there to help you, it's still hard to open about the hard stuff. Yeah. But then you'll really be able to process it and, and hopefully move through it. Hmm. And, um, and then past it. And the, the hope is in therapy, you gain the tools necessary to be able to implement those practices outside of sessions and once therapy is done completely. Yeah, yeah. And typically, for adolescents, and I'm thinking in general, but kids too, oftentimes the therapy, the parents are not there, right? I mean, that, that it's, their, it's their space to talk with you and be one-on-one for the services I provide. Definitely. There are some therapists that are more family centered or like family oriented systems Mm -hmm. type approaches, and they might require, um, or not require, but like recommend family therapy services. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the presenting concern. But if there is a child that's presenting with, um, you know, maybe suicidal ideation, um, suicide attempts, depression, anxiety, Mm -hmm more than likely the child will be recommended individual therapy to have their own space to process what's going on. And then later, if if it's uh, deemed appropriate and necessary, then it can transition into maybe some, some family sessions as well. But yeah. yes, generally speaking, to answer your initial question, you know, it, it is primarily individual therapy for these um, children and teens to have their own space. Yeah. And so... If you, you know, could offer advice, because this podcast is aimed at the parents, not the kids, like what, or, you know, adults in general, but yeah, more likely the parents. So what is there, are there tips that you could offer parents if they worry that their child is incredibly stressed out and they're worrying that maybe they're thinking about suicide or just how they can help them with the stress? Yes. For starters, help yourself. I always, I know this is so hard. So I want every parent listening to really, really listen and to try to soak it in because this is very hard when you are on an airplane and um, they tell you about putting your oxygen mask on first and then your child's, I'm going to guess most of you (laughs) would want to put your child's on first. It is hard to save your child if you cannot save yourself first. So you have to make sure that you're paying attention to yourself, how you're feeling, your own anxieties, and to reach out to your supports first Mm. to make sure that you can be in a centered place that when you do reach out to your children and are able to provide that space for them, you are mentally at a better place to be able to help them. Mm. And I think really, really being able to converse with your children when they're ready. Sometimes they don't have the words. Sometimes they don't know what to say. But a simple, I love you. I'm here. I want to understand. If I don't understand, please let me know. I want to I want to really understand yeah. and and really try to open up the dialogue with them. A lot of times with families, what I see the issue tends to be in, in ter- terms of conversing about difficult topics mm-hmm. is people don't understand, people don't feel understood and people struggle with communication. So there's a really great technique that I want to tell you all about real quick. It's called reflective listening. So when your child says something to you, what I want you to do is repeat back what you heard them say and then ask them, is that what you said or Mm -hmm. did I miss anything? Allow them to clarify if they need to, 
because this is where some communication difficulties come and they may think they're being very clear and they're not. Yeah. Um, or you may think you're understanding and you're not. So yeah. then, then it also shows them, I hear you. Like, yeah. this is what you just said. I'm hearing you say this. So then you, so you reflect back what they say. You ask, is this what you said? They have the time to clarify. And then, then you respond. Mm. Sometimes we listen to respond because we're anxious versus listening to hear. So we want to make sure we're really hearing, really being fully present. And if we're dealing with our own anxieties, it's going to be very hard to do that. Yeah. So that is, I think that will serve as the core because you're already their safe place. It seems, you know, hopefully in most instances, you'll be their safe place. So that already sets the tone. It's just a matter of getting through the communication. Mm, I love that. I love that. Uh, yeah. Asking is was that right? Is that what, you know, is that what you were trying to say? Because oftentimes I do feel like the communication, especially with teens, but just between people, like mm-hmm. we're, and if you're anxious, oftentimes you are already thinking of, well, what can I respond? How can I talk to them? What's, what's, what should I be saying next in your head while somebody's talking to you? So you're really not listening. Yes. So really taking that time to listen reflecting back and then and then responding. I think that's amazing. Yes. Great tip. So if you fear that your child might be suicidal, what what should a parent what is there things they they can do actions they can take? What should they be doing? Yeah, there are wonderful resources online. Uh, The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention um, yeah. is one of them. They have a lot of great resources, how to take action, um, how to speak with your uh, with your children. Um, there's also another resource, To Write Love on Her Arms. Oh, wow. To Write Love on Her Arms is a really, really great resource. It has a lot of wonderful information. Um, and there's also a tab on the website mm-hmm. that allows you to put your zip code into their search engine. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe, maybe it's your state, maybe it's not your zip code, but you're able to narrow down to your area. And there are some additional resources, um, crisis resources, or just other resources that are available. Nice. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the internet can be a wealth of information and those are two wonderful sites that I can think of. And then there are a bunch of other websites, uh, specifically geared toward LGBTQ youth, um, toward, yeah. uh, minority youth. It, so there are so many different resources available out there. I think just being able to gather as much information as you can while also recognizing that, you know, this could very well apply to your child's life and it could also not. So just making sure that you go into any conversation knowing that um, just because you read something and and you feel very well informed, which you are, <laughs> own it, <laughs> but um, at the same time, making sure that you really are trying to see where your child's at you know, to say, well, I read this online, that might not be super helpful. Just keep that in the back of your mind um, yeah. and, and see if your child is displaying some of the, the red flag. Yeah. And if, if so, then, you know, you can take whatever necessary steps um, are recommended. And therapy is always one of those necessary steps that are recommended. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Rachel, I appreciate you're talking about this difficult topic here, because it's, uh, it can be really hard to I don't know, to just allow that suicide sometimes comes up as an option for kids. And it does. I mean, it happens. And it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to do it. I think it's that they need some additional help. Yes, I agree completely. 
Yeah, yeah. So how do people find you, Rachel? So I am in the process of building some websites. So um, right now, Facebook tends to be the best. So I'll give a Facebook URL. Um, if you want to find me, I post a lot of articles uh, every day during the week. I post an article or, uh, or a picture of some sort. Nice. Um, so it's facebook.com slash dr, mm-hmm. as in doctor, period. And then my full name, Rachel Altvader. Um, so that's, that's one place that is pretty consistent where I post things and, um, you can always send me a message there. It's my professional page and I can always, um, you know, at least provide recommendations, not, not a substitute for therapy. It's just, if you need some guidance or, you know, Hey, can you share with me some resources of how to, you know, talk to my child Then I can direct you to some different, uh, websites. And if you're someone that is local, then, you know, I can absolutely work with your child. So I, um, I practice in, in Catonsville in Maryland, um, and in Fairfax in Virginia. So if you're in one of those areas, um, and you're interested in seeking services, uh, definitely reach out. Very cool. I will, um, put your Facebook page on the show notes so people can find you easily. So that will be available there as well as the resources you talked about, the Foundation for Suicide Prevention and to write love on her arms. Yes. Awesome. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining me in my conversation with Rachel. I thought that she really provided some great insight into how to help kids manage their stress, ways to be present and with them in their stressful moments, but also offering some insight into adolescent and teen suicide and ways in which we can help. I think what I took away from this conversation was that it is important to talk about it. It is important to validate that if that child feels unheard and is struggling and is feeling isolated, that you should ask. You should talk to them about if they're having suicidal thoughts or thinking about harming themselves. Because then you can take action. Then you can do something to put in place some support and help for that child. Once again, I just want to thank all of you listeners, subscribers, tuners in week after week. I appreciate you and your faith in me to bring you topics that you're interested in tuning into. So if you have ideas and thoughts, I'd love to hear them. You can send me an email through my website, womanwarriors.com. There is a contact me button there at the top, I believe, of the page. And just shoot me an email and tell me your thoughts about the podcast and what you'd like to hear. If you're looking for other podcasts to check out, try Emotions in Harmony with Dr. Carmen Roman. Learn how to live a life of fullness and how to recover your emotional harmony. She will share with you current psychology by sharing herself and interviewing experts who will inspire you. Living in harmony is possible if you know the psychological effects of your emotions and how to handle them check out her podcast, 
wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, I hope all of you have a wonderful week. Thanks again for tuning in. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com. 